hello and welcome to Please Don't Kick Me Out, a podcast about imposter syndrome. My name is Bianca Woolwick and I'm the host. I interview my friends and people that inspire me to figure out if they have the key to life and they feel successful or feel like they don't fit in like I do. Anyway, thank you for listening and I hope you enjoy the episode. Hey everyone, I am getting my second win. Um, thank you so much for all of your support with all of these episodes. Um, it's been kind of crazy just with my husband deploying and the pandemic and, you know, this garbage election, whatever. All of it. It's been a lot. But what I want to say is thank you for your support. Thank you for checking in on me. Thank you for being understanding when I've had to push interviews around. Um, I've really appreciated being on other people's podcasts. I've really loved interviewing people in general. I'm almost through my backlog, so I'm ready to start interviewing again. So if you are ready to be a podcast guest, please email me at pdkmopodcast at gmail.com and I will start scheduling you November through the beginning of of next year. Again, that's podcast at gmail.com. Send me your pitch. I would love to hear from you and I would love to get you on the books. Enjoy the episode. This week's episode features my friend Julia. She and I used to work together. She is a UX and graphic designer. She has an amazing story. I think a lot of people can relate, especially if you have not really known who you were your whole life and then came upon a diagnosis later in life, such as myself um, being diagnosed with ADHD um, uh, later in life as an adult. So I'm really excited to share this episode and I hope you enjoy it. Hey, how's it going? Hey. <laughs> it's, it's literally another day, right? I don't even know anymore. It's, yeah, and it's definitely been an interesting week. Yes, and I, if I hadn't, like, looked, I wouldn't know today was Friday, to be honest with you, just because of Memorial Day and being in quarantine and all that. But anyway, hey guys, you're listening to Please Don't Kick Me Out, a podcast about imposter syndrome, and the lovely voice you're hearing on the other end is my friend and former coworker Julia Shanterwin. That was pretty good. <laughs> so uh, I'll just kind of let you hop into it. What's your elevator pitch? You know, who are you? What do you do, etc. cetera? Sure. Um, well, I'm a graphic designer. I also write um, and I do do some photography, um, not professionally, but for fun. Um, and I'm currently unemployed thanks to COVID-19, like many other people. Um, I am very interested in trying to break into doing UX design. I got certified in it, oh gosh, it was the beginning of 2019, so it's been about a year, um, by General Assembly. I don't know if you've mm -hmm. heard of them. Um, I did an online course in UX design, uh, but I haven't had the opportunity to have gain any real world experience yet in that because... <laughs> I assume that much like my experience with graphic design, I would probably have to just do work on my own for free. Um, mm -hmm. That was my experience when I was trying to get graphic design jobs back in the day. Um, in order to build a portfolio, I just had to do volunteer work. <laughs> and mm -hmm. Because I have, you know, a family now, um, we have a two-year-old, almost two-year-old. Um, I just don't have like outside of, you know, when I was working 40 hours a week, I don't have the time. And so. Yeah, that makes a hundred percent total sense. And uh, just for my listeners, uh, Julia and I met at our previous company. Um, I, when I met you, I just felt like there was a lot more to you than the work world, if that makes sense. Like, sure. you know, you kind of like, you had like a full thing going on from being a mom and just like every time we'd have conversations, I really enjoyed them. Uh, and, uh, definitely it was nice to have Julia in my court, um, because I was a marketing director of a branch that had an existing marketing department. So I was basically unorthodox. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, I leaned on Julia and the rest of the marketing team quite a bit for kind of trying to understand things. But uh, what I loved about Julia was just that she always kind of 
not only was your stuff always perfect every single time, but you were like super quick. And if I gave you a design or needed something, you didn't question it. You just were like, okay, yeah, I think I know what you're talking about, which I really <laughs> appreciated because sometimes I don't know what I'm talking about. But um, so for my listeners, uh, if any of you are in the San Diego area or even remote um, and you're looking for someone who is strong with graphic design, strong and really great with copywriting, um, technical writing, and uh, even her web design, she's got a really clear focus. Uh, Julia is your gal. So um, yeah, that's just my little plug for you. Thank you. So um, when I kind of like, I came to you about this podcast, because I got laid off before you got laid off. I was the OG layoff in the <laughs> marketing were. world. And uh, then it just kind of, the, 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 the tower crumbled. Um, uh, I came to you about this podcast and there was a sphere of like, well, I don't know if I want to like talk on a podcast quite yet with kind of my job in limbo, because we, we knew it was coming. You just didn't know when it was going to come. And um, so I came to you about it and you were, you really liked the idea because imposter syndrome was something that you and I actually had talked about quite a bit. Um, so let's just hop into the topic at hand. We'll start with the first question, which is, do you feel like you have it all figured out? <laughs> uh, and my answer to you was ha ha ha. No, but there, <laughs> there were a lot more ha ha ha's in there. Um, yeah. I mean, none of it. <laughs> I guess I, <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to explain sometimes because I think that like people's perception of me, um, at least most people that I work with, um, for example, like they might, like when I tell them, cause I've tried, been trying to be more open about it. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I, you just talked about, actually, I saw on social media, you were talking about, um, that you have ADHD. Mm -hmm. So I'm assume that it's okay for me to, to bring that yeah, up. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, but just little things like when I would say to people like, oh yeah, I have, I have anxiety. And these are people mm -hmm. that I, that I work in the office with and they're, they're shocked. They're completely <laughs> shocked. Not me. Which is, which is great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Um, which is great. I guess I, I do a pretty good job of acting. Um, but, but at the same time, I think there's a lot of stuff that I just miss, like social cues and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, it's always been really hard for me to do small talk. And I feel like these are really, I bring these up because I feel like they're really important in the working world. Right. Right. Like there's all these different systems of ways that people are in the working world. They network, right? They meet people, they schmooze, they, I don't, I don't know. They just, they, it's like, even when you asked me, what's your elevator pitch? I was like, man, I don't talk about this stuff in an elevator. I'm just like making Star Trek jokes or whatever. Like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't, um, I'm pretty terrible about talking about my work or what I do. Um, and I guess, how do I put this? Like, it's hard for me to be anything but just real mm -hmm. at the risk of sounding like I'm saying people are fake. You definitely, I mean, everybody adopts a certain persona when they're in a different place, right? Right. Yeah. Um, and I just feel like, especially in the most recent job that I had where I was working directly with salespeople, it's like, they definitely have their specific personas that you're supposed to interact with that they, that this is like, it's part of their job to, mm -hmm. to sell things. Um, and I just feel like sometimes they didn't like me very much <laughs> because <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't do the small talk, right. Couldn't or didn't want to. Um, and maybe, I don't know, sometimes I would push back a little bit, mm -hmm. um, on certain things where, I don't, I, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, exactly. Let me hop in and help you out here. So what, what I think you're trying to say is that, um, 
so in the marketing world and the way that you and I think we have very similar ways of doing things. Now, unfortunately in the industry that we were in, it was very weird. It was B2B. It was sell, 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 go, go, go. And salespeople are very, very aggressive. And what they do is they say, I need it. And I needed it yesterday. And then they will showboat their sales numbers in order to get what they want. We had one person in particular who did that relentlessly. Um, he was, my worst fear, but, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's weird because if, cause I, I don't know about you, but I'd never worked in real estate before. I'd never worked in the real estate sector. I'd never worked in a B2B business. And so it took me, and I'm pretty extroverted as a person. It took me a really long time to figure out what worked. And I had to learn each individual style of the sales. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think what you were getting at was that, um, you know, kind of in, in, in figuring out your own diagnosis, um, you know, in your thirties as well, like similar to me, um, it suddenly explained a lot more about you and the way that you worked and the way that the things that you needed in, in the office. And it just didn't gel like it, you know, they, the salespeople coming to you with these like weird requests at like <laughs> 9 PM, you know, it, it just was like overwhelming. And I, yeah. and I feel for you 100%. Like I was if anything, I was grateful I wasn't on that team because I was like, I don't know how they do it. <laughs> like the amount of no I had to say, and then yeah, it was, was hard because they, they come to you with a fully baked, beautiful idea. And then you'd have to tell them no. And I just feel bad every time I'm like, I'm sorry, but I just, I don't have the capacity <laughs> to like help you. But yeah, I mean, of course. I guess like another question would be like in your life, like right now, like you're married, you've got, you know, your kiddo. Um, like, do you feel like you kind of, uh, are on the path to like figuring out what you want out of life? Oh God, that's a huge question. And I know that I wrote out some answers, um, but I didn't really touch on that aspect of it. Um, I mean, okay, let me put it this way. Like at, at my core, my goal has always been to just do my best not to be an asshole. <laughs> and I mean, but I mean that like to be, to be the best person that I can be, to be a good yes. person, not yes. a nice person. We don't yeah. need more nice people. We need good people. Yes. I love that. Um, and I actually, <laughs> I actually got uh, an internship because that was the answer that I gave the, the, <laughs> the marketing director. Granted, it wasn't a paid internship, but it was, it was one of the things that like actually helped me, you know, get other work and it was amazing. Um, but yeah, she asked me, what's your goal in life? And I was so taken aback because I had given it no thought mm-hmm. and I just like, I just don't want to be an asshole. Yeah. And she thought it was really funny, but I was being completely serious. Like, I, I don't know. Um, yeah. <laughs> I like so, that. So, but that, you know, if you when I look at, when I look at kind of just values in this world and, and what's valued, um, that doesn't seem to be very high on the list of priorities Mm -hmm. for most people. And I think that's because, you know, under capitalism, it's all about like what you can produce. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that's how we, that's how everything works in our system. Right. And so I look at, you know, can I be successful? Like, what is my, to what degree am I successful? Okay. Well, I'm doing pretty good on my own personal goal, my core goal, like trying to do my best to, you know, basically learn as much as I can about other people, about what other people struggle with to learn how to use my empathy, how to use my compassion um, how to support other people, how to raise my son to be a good person, all these things. Um, but and by and large, if I, if I use the measuring system that is in place, that is in place in the workplace, that is in place, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's a different measuring system. It's like, what, what can I produce or what have I, what have I done? How much money have I made right. so under that system? you know, I'm not very successful. So, <laughs> um, and I, I realize, and I apologize, like, I know that I'm rambling. I should have probably warned you even more that I have, uh, I have a pretty hard time with, um, like, 
telephone conversations or not face-to-face conversations because my brain starts going in 20 different directions. No, you're totally fine. Um, yeah, like there's one other thing that you did put in here and I, um, you know, I want to give it the utmost sensitivity. Um, but I've, uh, you kind of mentioned in your answer and I don't, I hope you don't mind if I share that. Well, I put it in there so that, yeah, I, I yeah. wouldn't have put it in there unless. Yeah. Okay so it. at 39, you, um, re- like you figured out that you, um, have autism and, or yes. on the autistic spectrum. Um, yep. so for my listeners, this was actually a beautiful conversation to have because, um, it's very important to figure out how our brains work and how we are the way we are. Um, And I will say that I would have never known had I not read this answer. And I think it's incredibly beautiful that it's your diagnosis and finding this out about yourself is changing the way that you think and the the needs that you have for yourself. Um, And also for me, like I just recently, like I was always told as a kid, I was disruptive. I was always, my my, my parents (laughs) were told like, God, like, I mean, I just never really realized that I had it. And my husband actually has ADHD and he had me take a test and the test was, I scored 50 on it. And I was like, was that bad? He was like, well, 34 is high. And I was like, no. (laughs) Um, But now that I'm on a, um, a low dose of a medication to use to treat it, um, I've never been this focused in my life. I've never been able to like, um, cause usually I'm very like, kind of similar to you, like when I'm on a phone, my brain goes in a thousand directions. And I've had to train myself over the years, not realizing that I needed to do this, but I would have to train myself over the years to not interrupt people and mm. to hold my thought. Cause sometimes I would get a thought and I'd hold on to it, hold on to it, hold on to it, and then wait for the inappropriate time to like, <laughs> unleash it. And sure. that was very hard to unlearn in the workforce. Um, incredibly hard to oh, unlearn yeah. in the Um, so I was always very conscious of it and now I realize it was just that I had ADHD and that is totally normal. And now that I'm on medication, I actually can catch myself looking at it and, and able to kind of, um, you know, take a step back and go, okay, like, oh, I'm just, I'm stimming out, so to speak, or I'm sure whatever that is. So yeah, I think that's really awesome. Like in terms of for you figuring out, um, you know, what's next in life and all of that, but also, um, in finding what is going to work for you in the next workforce place. Yes. Um, there are so many overlaps between ADHD and autism. And there are many people who are autistic who also have ADHD. Um, many, 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 many. So I totally, and I, I mean, I was evaluated for it. And then my, the psychologist was like, I don't think you really have it. I'm like, okay, well, that's fine. Um, but I, one of the biggest issues, which really impacts my, uh, my difficulties with finding employment is that I, okay, I'm a great writer. Mm-hmm. Like if you, if you want me to write something, I could, I mean, I am so freaking articulate in text messages in mm-hmm. you know, but I actually, I, I, I learned to read when I was two and a half. Mm-hmm. It's, there's something called hyperlexia. So it's, I don't have it that severely, but I do have it. So like, I actually have difficulty processing auditory stimuli. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's almost as if my brain is comp- using up all its power trying to understand the words that I'm hearing. It's like when I watch, when I watch movies and stuff, I have to have the subtitles on so that I can fully understand the dialogue. Um, And what that also means is like, like when I'm having conversations like this with, for an example, a recruiter Mm -hmm. or even like a phone interview, it's part of the reason I was up all night because I'm so anxious, not just about Mm -hmm. this interview, but like that I have a phone interview. Yeah. Even though it's going to be informal, because I say the dumbest stuff, <laughs> Bianca, like, and I don't even know where it, like, it's just my brain is trying to make sense. And then like, okay, can I just admit to you? And this is the same person that I have an interview with. And the only reason why I think I ended up getting work from him was just because, you know, like, he knows my husband. <laughs> and that's how it works. We we're talking on the phone when he's like, okay, so what kind of freelance work can you do for me? And so I was telling him about what my experience was and all that. And literally these are the words out of my mouth. So you have like a, a design studio. 
<laughs> because it, it and like just if you were the owner of a design studio and you were in a room, like what kind of impression would that make? Well, I would like you to feel better because I don't think that anything you say has ever been stupid, but of course I think in a marketing brain and I'm a creative brain. So, um, to me, I've never noticed it. So that's why it was very, you know, humbling and surprising to read kind of your answers. Um, but I think like we've touched on the first one. So let's go to the second question, which is talking about imposter syndrome itself. Now for like, so I usually ask the question, but I feel like as a graphic designer and, you know, as a woman, I'm sure that this is something you might feel. And I read your answer and I think it's beautiful. So do you feel like you fit in or suffer from imposter syndrome in what ways and what does imposter syndrome mean to you? Okay. Well, I guess I'll kind of skim over and read what I said. Um, and then maybe comment on it if I <laughs> feel like I can. Um, so my answer to you is that I'm not really sure if I do. Um, on the one hand, I have a lot of skills that should be considered valuable. Like I said, I'm, I'm really, I'm good at writing, good at editing, proofreading. I'm good at designing. Um, I think I have, I, I haven't had a lot of opportunity to be super creative. And by that, I mean, you know, coming up with concepts, mm -hmm. which is something that help people in studios do. I just haven't held jobs where that was a priority. But I think I have a very creative way of problem solving. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I'm, I think I use my perfectionism well. I'm really good at, at delivering things that are extremely error-free. Mm -hmm. So that's something that people appreciate. And I think I'm pretty easy to work with. Um, but that being said, in most of the jobs that I've held, I've always had this feeling that I could or should be doing more, mm -hmm. more than what I was asked or given to do. Um, you know, like I, I want to say that I made the conscious choice not to, at the beginning of my career, apply to work at design studios because, you know, in my mind, I was like, well, I wouldn't like the stress of it. You know, I don't want to work 60 hours, 70 hours a week. Um, I don't want to feel like my creative energy is all being drained because I'm using it all up mm -hmm. um, at work. But I think I was also just really scared. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I very much have lived a lot of my life with the, I, I would say abject terror of rejection would be mm -hmm. probably the most accurate. Yep. So I just don't, I just don't reach for things. Mm -hmm. I just don't do it because I know if I get, my, my feeling is if I get rejected, it's the end of the world, right? Like it says something about me and, and my worth as a person. Obviously <laughs> job hunting is not my favorite thing because that's what it's all about is getting rejected over and over again. Um, yeah. But yeah, I would say that that's, it's probably the biggest thing that I struggle with. And it's, I feel like I do have this potential to grow, but I, I have stayed in places that don't give me that opportunity because of fear. Of safety. Um, yeah. And it is safe. Yeah, yeah it's absolutely safe. Yeah. Um, but, but, but in the end, what ends up happening is that I don't feel valued, <laughs> right? Yes. Because I know, I know I have these skills and I'm, but I'm not, even if I'm using some of my skills, I'm not in a place that really values them, right? Because I'm just taking, taking what's given to me. Yeah. I mean, literally like, and so it sort of reinforces that. Yeah. 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 So, and to go back to your first point, um, imposter syndrome, you've actually just given me the key definition. So you do, you do, you know, the, the, not wanting to, um, to reach for something because you feel like someone else deserves it or a better fit will be there. 
or the innate fear of rejection. That is imposter syndrome 100% in terms of um, even when you do achieve those things, you know, losing them. Um, and, and I think that's also somewhat of a woman thing as well, where women, we as women, we tend to go, oh, well, I really need this for myself. But you know what? If you just give me $5,000 less than what I've asked for, that's fine. Or whatever. <laughs> yep. So I, I totally identify with that 1,000%. And if you're like me, I tend to do best in a career where I valued. I'm a very much a words of affirmation person. Yes. So if you tell me that I'm doing a great job, you tell me something's awesome. You tell me I'm kicking ass. And that's what my last boss, he was really great at doing that. And, and I felt very valued until I didn't. Yeah. And I didn't feel valued. And I, you know, there was some stuff that I sometimes felt like there was a push for something that I couldn't do. I wasn't a video producer. I wasn't someone that could edit the videos. And I sometimes felt like all the salespeople saw and all my boss saw was video, 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 and not the Wizard of Oz behind the scenes, me mm. doing, making the thing go. <laughs> yes. Like, so I totally get that. I get that feeling where you just suddenly feel like, wow, I don't feel valued. I'm not what, what am I doing here? And then agreed. I don't think that anyone enjoys job searching. If you do love job searching, you're probably a sadist because honestly, <laughs> I hate it. I hate when you upload a resume and then it says, now enter your work history. I just want to throw yes. my computer off a cliff. So I can understand and empathize how imposter syndrome is definitely going into the, uh, is going into your job search right now. Um, so yeah, I totally 100% get it. And it's, I, I'm very similar where it takes a lot for me to stand up for myself and, and, and say, I deserve what I deserve. And unfortunately, um, in this last instance, in, instance for me and the wanting to feel valued, I mean, ultimately like we were laid off, but it's yeah. okay. Cause it's COVID. So, I mean, that's, our story is not really unique in that sense, but um, I also want to sure. touch on another thing that you said, where you said you want, just want to be a good person. Um, that is also me, where I just, I feel like those that get a, I've always felt like those that get ahead in the workforce or those that become managers or, or ultimately leaders, um, half the time, they're not good people. And I look <laughs> at them and I'm like, but I'm, I've done everything right. I haven't burned bridges. I haven't, you yeah. know, done anything to, to, to not get where I need to be. And they gave the role to you. Yeah. <laughs> so I feel that too. So I just wanted to touch on that, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's a value system, right? Yep. It's like, yeah, I was actually going to say, I didn't even mention this, um, in the document that you had me fill out. Mm -hmm. Um, but I actually, um, I went to art school. I didn't, um, I went to a fine arts school originally for photography. Oh, I love um, that. And so the, the VizCom students, as they called us, uh, we were kind of, we're different from most of the kids that went there. Um, I actually went to the school of the Art Institute of Chicago. Um, which out here, everybody says, oh, the Art Institute, yeah, and like, no, <laughs> no, it's Different. not, and there's nothing wrong with the Art Institute, but um, the School of the Art Institute is a school that's connected with the um, Chicago Institute of Art, and it was, like, an amazing experience, even though I dropped out for five years and went back, um, and when I went back, that was when I changed my major to graphic design, um, but I say all of this because I, I changed my major because I felt like I needed to study something that was marketable, mm -hmm. something that would make me money. I didn't want to be a wedding photographer and I wasn't interested in anything technical having to do with photography. Most of mm -hmm. the pictures I take, I take with a little, I take with my cell phone or I take with a, a camera with the same settings on it. Um, but I... Like photography is one of my passions, but I also like for, I would say 15 years have been working on a, a project of a comic book. I love that. Um, and it's, I don't know if this has to do with, I think it has to do a lot with 
like everything that I struggle with of just not doing things because I'm so afraid of failing. Mm -hmm. Um, but even, even as when I was young in in art school, I would spend like 95% of my time thinking about the thing and then 5% of my time executing it. And like, sometimes it worked (laughs) (laughs) and I don't know how much was anxiety and how much was just, that's how I, I do things. But, um, I guess kind of going back cause, cause the next question was about success. And I know that we already touched on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but ultimately I don't know that if I'll ever feel successful until I'm able to actually work on my art. Yes. I love that. See, that's, that's the right answer. So success to you is doing the things you want to do. And it's, <laughs> It's just being able to do the things you're passionate about. Yeah. And I mean, I don't even, I like want isn't a strong enough word. It's like, I've, I've heard it described before for for people that are writers, like who exclusively write. And like, obviously I write like the comic book doesn't even exist yet in um, uh, drawings. It's on the fourth, it's on the fourth and final draft of, it's basically like a, um, a script it's written out okay. as a script. Nice. Um, so the next step is storyboarding. But I hear people who are just writers describe it as like, when you're writing a story, it's almost as if the characters are following you around like ghosts all the time. If you're not writing it, if you're not actively writing it, they're like following you around, you know, whispering in your ear, why aren't you telling my story? Why aren't you telling my story? That's really uh kind of giving me like goosebumps <laughs> that's really cool so it's it's your projects are basically following you around being like why aren't you working on me <laughs> yeah because it's uh, i mean this this is again like this is not a graphic designer thing to say i don't think this is definitely like a a an uh <laughs> an artist an artist thing to say not that graphic designers aren't artists of course we are but um it's, it's such a, it's, again, it's part of my core, right? And so not being able to express it, it's like, it's not a want, it's just a a part of me that goes completely unfulfilled. Yeah, that makes uh, a lot of sense. And um, to touch on kind of what you were saying, like for me, Similarly, I would have these ideas. Like I, uh, I wanted to write a book about online dating. Never did it. I wanted to, you know, do some certain things. I, you know, I launched a business, failed it. Um, and for me, the only thing that I've done that I fully just threw myself into and committed to was this podcast. Because I, mm. I finally was like, okay, enough's enough. Like no one's gonna want you to be a podcast guest. You might as well start your own. <laughs> And, and you don't know what you're doing, but you might as well just do it. And similar to you, I originally went to college for art. Um, I switched my major pretty much immediately because I felt like I wasn't successful. I wasn't artistic enough. I wasn't creative enough. And I thought, cause I, I wanted to be a graphic designer. That's why I went to art school. Mm. And, um, because I've heard that that was profitable. Right. And so, and I took one semester of art and I was like, nope, not for me. Like I'm just, I, I, I'm not, I tried so hard in this art fundamentals class 101. Seeger Hartgers gave me a B and I switched my major and he said, why? You were the best one in the class. And I was like, ah, like, like what? You gave everyone else an A. Like why, why did you give me a B? He's like, cause I was challenging you. It's like, no, this does not that's, work for me. No, that's not, no. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I switched to journalism because I thought, well, you know what, if I can't, do graphic design or if if I don't want to do graphic design, then what can I do that still is in this creative realm? So I I switched to journalism. Um, Originally, I wanted to do broadcast journalism. I wanted to be a radio, I wanted to be a radio host. That's, that was my, Mm. my thing. I wanted to do that. Um, I was a radio DJ all through college. um, And, uh, but I, I picked PR and advertising because I thought it would be the more lucrative option. Um, And, you know, looking back on it, it probably was, but it definitely wasn't my dream. Yeah. So anyway, (laughs) but I I like that answer of the success is just being able to do the things that fuel your soul 
yes. and, and work on those um, heart piece projects. Well, I hope that, you know, in COVID and this stuff, eventually you'll be able to do those things. It would be nice. I actually was able to pull out my, my final draft the other day and read it. And I was like, yeah, this is pretty good. I love that. <laughs> I'm excited. I'm excited to see what happens next for you with that. Um, okay. So we've touched on imposter syndrome. We won't beat a dead horse. Let's move on to my favorite part of the episode where I talk, we talk about things that we're fanatical about and why. <laughs> um, okay. So, uh, I haven't actually talked about this yet on my podcast. So I, I'm going to bring it up today. And when this releases, I will have had this thing for a while. Um, but I am currently fanatical about my puppy that I have not picked up yet. He is six weeks old. His name is Bourdain. He's the Cavalier King Charles Spaniel. He is the cutest dog I've ever seen in my life. And I am so excited because I've wanted a puppy for so, 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 so long. Um, and I've been very quiet about talking about it because I haven't wanted people to judge me. But um, I did years of research trying to figure out the best breeder. I found a very reputable one that ethically breeds to correct standards, checked health lines, all of that. Um, and while I know it's unpopular to buy a dog, um, I couldn't be more excited to fulfill a dream. So uh, yeah, so that's what I'm currently fanatical about. He is very, very cute. I know, he's so cute. <laughs> <laughs> um. And also, I mean, I know that a lot of people have very strong opinions about it. I guess I have, I have the opinion that if you can adopt, you want to adopt. That's absolutely fantastic. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, there are reasons why there are dog breeds, you know, that especially if you've done your research and you like, eh, we have dog breeds because we can then predict what the dog is going to be like. Right. Yep. So if you and you, you just you can't always predict that with a mixed breed absolutely and especially not with a dog if it's a rescue mm -hmm. so yeah i totally get it yeah so what are you currently like fanatical about things you love um let's see right at this moment um well when i was still driving everywhere i was listening i was constantly listening to uh podcasts of birth stories interesting um, positive birth stories. Oh, okay. Um, you know, they, they're actually like, aren't that, surprisingly aren't that many. Um, there's an Australian one that's really fantastic, but they all take place in Australia. Um, and then there's one by a Swedish midwife, um, mostly in Sweden. Um, but it's, I, I've been listening to them. I think, you know, like I had my kid two years ago, um, and it was such a transformative experience, mm -hmm. like in so many ways. I can't really go into it just because it's would be like an entire podcast of its own. <laughs> um, but I think listening to other people's stories and and hearing the way, like the things that I have in common, the things that are unique, it's it's been like it's an ongoing process because it's such an intense experience. Mm -hmm. um, and just I've kind of like still processing what happened and giving it meaning. Yeah, I think that's really beautiful. And I love that there's a podcast for everything, right? Like there's a podcast yeah. <laughs> for, and I, it's, it's really awesome. And I think like, especially like where you and I used to work, there wasn't that many people that had children and everyone's birth yeah. story is so different. And, yes. um, you know, it's a very personal thing, like you said, because uh, I mean, I, 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 I don't, I won't choose to have children. It's not in my cards. However, um, I will never know what that's like. So it's very um, awesome that you can like kind of feel comforted by hearing these other things and then feel not alone in the feelings that you had and the transformation and, and stuff. Um, but you have like the world's cutest kid. He's so cute. <laughs> he, is, he is pretty amazing when he's not kicking me in the face. Is he like um, in his complete terrible twos right oh, now? Oh, okay. He's been there since he was like 16 <laughs> months old. They don't tell you that it can start early, <laughs> but it, uh, it can. <laughs> yeah. And the days yeah. that he's adorable, that's when, but yes. like there are some days that she'd be like, I, is murder legal? Because <laughs> like, oh my gosh. And I, I could tell the days that he was just being a complete nightmare. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, it's like, it's less days and more just, okay, sometimes it's days, but 
you know, it'll be like an hour here, an hour there, and then there'll be these moments in between where your heart just melts into a little <laughs> puddle, and you're like, okay, that's why. But yeah, um, the other thing that I would say, I have, I mean, I have to bring this up because if I like, it's been going on since the game came out in. Mm-hmm. I think the game originally came out in 1999, um, and I didn't play it until 2001. Okay. No, the original game came out in 99. The second one came out in 2001. Silent Hill. Okay. Um, oh, I remember that one. So did you did you ever play any of the games? Uh, no. So I'm actually, I, I don't watch horror. So it's funny because I love true crime. Oh, okay, okay. I don't watch horror movies. And I have a, I, okay. I get scared really easily. Like I even get scared on the Haunted Mansion <laughs> at Disneyland. Like, oh. <laughs> um, even though I love it, but I, like, I just get, I startle easy. It's my husband's favorite thing to do is just startle me. But I appreciate your love of this game. So go for it. Okay. Well, at some point, if they're ever allowed again, we should go to a haunted house together because I really enjoy them. I just laugh, <laughs> but I love going with someone who's easily startled. It is the most entertaining thing for me. So yeah, the, the, the last time I went, <laughs> so there was a, there's a, I'm from uh, Colorado and the last time I went to a uh, haunted anything, we had this thing called Anderson Farms, which is like just outside. It's like in Boulder County or whatever. And they had a haunted corn maze. And I am not joking when I say I almost peed my pants. I was sobbing. There was a man oh with a chainsaw over me and like just maniacally laughing. And I Pretty was scary. like scarred for life. But I I will do, I can do the scary things, but I have to be like drunk. <laughs> <laughs> and like, I have to like calm myself down in some ways. And I, I but yeah. Sure. So, yeah. Sure. So yeah, the, the lore of the town of Silent Hill, according to the developers, is that it's a place that has the power to manifest things, Mm. um, places, monsters for people. Um, So say, for example, you have someone that's committed a terrible crime. They might be drawn there if they wish to punish themselves, maybe even if they don't wish to punish themselves. And the town will manifest these very dark places with monsters that are representations of their of their anxieties of their neuroses mm-hmm. um it's very psychological and it to me just so interesting mm-hmm. on so many levels um and very complex when you think about it because you know we're so used to just like american style horror um of just in your face yeah. horror and monsters are kind of I don't know they're just kind of boring to me usually but in this in this case the idea that you know it's it's you and your your fears your neuroses your anxieties that are that are manifesting that are manifesting like to me like that's so fascinating um and it's actually like I took that when I was developing the idea for my comic book and that's that's kind of a big part of it is like, what if, what if someone, you know, had so like had experienced a lot of trauma and the way that they were, were going to work through it, maybe ultimately heal from it was by manifesting all of their deepest fears and fighting them. Oh, I love that. That's really cool. So I mean, you see why I want to why I want to work on it, but also why it's very difficult. Um, but yeah, so I, you know, I definitely like have a PlayStation Two, like super deprecated technology, and like when times get tough, I play these games over and over and over again. It's just what I do for like my personal therapy. Um, yeah, and I, I watch videos about Silent Hill symbolism. Oh. Um, cause it's actually really fascinating. There's a lot behind what the developers did a lot of the games, but, um, but yeah, that's one of my, definitely <laughs> one of my big things, but I don't tend to talk about it much mm-hmm. with people that don't already know about it just because it's boring as hell to them. <laughs> part. I mean, as like most people's passions are, if they're a little bit, I don't know, I don't want to say obscure, but it niche yeah yeah 
So I just want to pause for a second that like they're trimming trees next door and it just fits perfectly that there's a chainsaw buzzing <laughs> it um, perfectly. while you're talking about Silent Hill. And to my listeners, I apologize. I don't control the gardeners <laughs> and landscapers and we're a low budget project. So um, what you see is what you get. It's better than the Mockingbird. I got feedback about that. So, um, but yeah, I think that's awesome. I actually never knew the lore behind that. And I think it's really cool. So maybe I'll tell my husband he should play it. (laughs) He does like to play older games. He's very um, into that. Um, And um, I'm just a scaredy cat. So (laughs) maybe one day when this all opens back up, we'll try not scary farm. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Um, yeah, so let's move on to, oh gosh, I just read your unpopular opinion. That's funny. <laughs> what is your, one or a few unpopular opinions you have and why? So my answer was romaine lettuce is terrible. Why does it have a spine? Also, it's bitter. Yes, I, I, I would agree. I didn't know that this was an unpopular opinion. I, until I shared it on like a, a Facebook food group mm. where you, sh- people share terrible food. It's pretty funny. I don't know. They share terrible pictures of food. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and they people were just like in an uproar. They were just all came to defend romaine lettuce. And I was like, okay, well, <laughs> that's fine. Like you can have it. I don't want it. <laughs> it's, it's interesting because not all romaine lettuce will have that bitter acrid taste, but like yes. for the most part, anything that's like not farm grown, I would say. And it's like, mm, yeah, manufactured, like that's when it tastes just like bitter and uncomfortable. But, uh, I will say yeah. that the lettuce that Mona Lisa carries from their farmer that they source from is like the best romaine lettuce I've ever had. And I don't know where hmm. they get it from down in little Italy, but, um, it makes okay. really good Caesar salads. But I, I think like if I would say, you know, you don't have to eat romaine and that's your choice, but I think I, I would severely judge someone if they were like, no, my lettuce of choice is the watery one. Oh, iceberg. Iceberg, yeah. Iceberg. See, I think iceberg has its place. I think Mm -hmm. it's fantastic in a wedge. Yep. Um, I just, when people people call it a wedge and then they make it with romaine lettuce, I'm like, what is wrong with you? Yeah, there's no wedge there. That's not a wedge. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I would say my preferences lean towards probably red leaf lettuce is my favorite, followed followed by butter lettuce. Yes. Butter lettuce, although it's very delicate, you have to kind of be careful how you serve it but yeah yeah I am I'm a huge fan of butter lettuce I'm a huge fan of like bib lettuce in general I'm also a huge Mm. fan of cabbage which not everyone is but I love a good coleslaw (laughs) I love cabbage I definitely prefer it cooked but I I'm very passionate about it as well (laughs) I love that you're passionate about all the veggies all the the carnivorous (laughs) things um that's awesome okay so let's kind of you know given COVID and quarantine and all of that kind of going on what is currently making you happy in the world so when I originally answered this I was uh at the time playing the remakes and remasters of the Resident Evil video games Mm -hmm. um actually right (laughs) like right when I got laid off I was like well um like I hadn't played any games <laughs> since I was pregnant. Like I had no time. And I'm like, well, I have time now. I'm going to go shoot some zombies. I love that. <laughs> Zombie outbreak. Um, and it, it was very satisfying. Um, I played uh, the res- original Resident Evil. That's a remaster. I played Resident Evil Zero, also a remaster. And then I played the remake of Resident Evil 2, which was super fun. Um, and now I am replaying all the Portal games because <laughs> nice. I love them so much. Um, I, don't, I don't know. It's uh, – I don't know if it makes me – I don't know if happy is the right word. Um, mm-hmm. It makes me calm. Okay. Calm my brain down to solve puzzles. So, I like that. Yeah. My, my child makes me happy when he's – making me happy yeah I think would probably be the best answer for that but <laughs> but general like sense of well-being temporary though it may be video games <laughs> I like that so my husband uh my husband Scott who you've met um he ended up getting uh, I had this game that I loved in college called beautiful katamari and uh Wait, is it like katamari yeah, yeah, that one, yeah. I, well, I don't think it's, so I apologize, it's probably not called that, but it's Katamari. And um, I hadn't played it in like 10 years, and it we, we downloaded it, we made a couple of cocktails, and we played it, and it was just so satisfying. Mm, 
Yes. Because it's such a wholesome game. Like you're just like this little guy and you pick up things and um yeah. And then we've done a lot of Animal Crossing, a lot of Nintendo Switch stuff. His Xbox actually died. Like it finally oh <laughs> it finally pooped the bed. R.I.P. I mean that thing was gosh, I think he said it was seven or eight years old, which is amazing, incredible that it still even worked for as long as it sure. did. And he tried everything. He like ordered all these parts. He was like Googling it. He, he like, I was just like, it's a lost cause. So um, sadly, no more Xbox. Um, but we just set up our home office. So now he's playing video games on his computer, which I'm totally fine with because we can both be in the office because we both have our own desks and we can actually talk to one another now. So it's not like such a solo thing. Yeah. Um, so I've been really enjoying that. That's been making me happy for sure. That's so awesome. I love that. Okay. We're coming to the end of this beautiful conversation. Um, do you have anything that you would like to promote? Um, I mean, I just would like to, at least for now, offer myself up for any freelance work or writing work if anybody needs it. I mean, I, <laughs> I think there's a lot of people in my shoes doing the same, but mm-hmm. I'm on your podcast, so I might as well. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And I, as always, uh, for my listeners, I pop all of the links in the description. Um, and I just have to say, side note, I literally think that they just knocked something over. I heard it fall. Um, oh, dear. Yeah, I don't know what's going on there. <laughs> we'll see. We'll check after this. Um, but, um, you know, this has been an awesome conversation. I always like to, you know, give my guests the floor for any parting words uh, for anyone listening and any sound advice that you have. So, um, yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, (laughs) This is the part where I get super awkward um, (laughs) because I didn't write anything down. No, you're fine. Um, Yeah, I I guess the only thing I can say is that it's – it would be really awesome if more people valued – not being an asshole. <laughs> I do love that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think that if you value that, that there are other people out there who also do, and that it would be awesome if we could like find each other and support each other and, and maybe cultivate that value system. I love that. And I agree. And, um, for my listeners, if you are not an asshole, please connect with Julia, um, so that you guys can, uh, start an inaugural club together. Um, I will be the first member to meet you there. Um, but yeah, uh, so I won't want to keep, I won't keep you much longer than this, uh, especially because it seems like they're cutting down my house. Um, but thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me today, Julia. I really appreciate it. Um, and to my listeners, thank you for listening to please don't kick me out a podcast about imposter syndrome. Um, Thank you so much. Thank you. Take care. (laughs) You too. Bye. Bye. Hey listeners, I wanted to share a special promotion for you from Dash of Pep. Dash of Pep is a clothing boutique that offers non-binary clothing that has fun prints that support mental health and empowering you to be your best self. In this pandemic, it is great to shop small and support small businesses like Dash of Pep. More than 50% of my wardrobe is from her adorable store. Robin at Dash of Pep has graciously given me a promo code for you to use at checkout. Use P-D-K-M-O to receive 15% off your order. Again, that is www.dash of pep.com and you can enter p-d-k-m-o at checkout to receive 15% off your order. This has been Please Don't Kick Me Out, a podcast about imposter syndrome. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, like, comment, share, tell a friend. You know, that's how I'm going to keep these stories going. Also, if you want to be a podcast guest, you can reach out to me at pdkmopodcast at gmail.com and we can get it set up. Thanks everyone for your continued support. And I look forward to, you know, connecting with you again next Monday.